0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. In the first hour of the program, if you are not here, this is the third hour. There are three hours. You should stay for all three. If you need the podcast or the live stream, you can text the word show to 33777. Now, by the way, um, speaking of numbers to text, I haven't put in the recipe today, and I will. Um, I have mastered Krispy Kreme bread pudding. Oh, oh, oh have I mastered it? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can use you can use any donuts, glazed. It's fantastic, and I will send that recipe out this afternoon or this evening. Uh, I gotta write it up I, i've been I've been recipe testing it um you can text the word recipe singular just the word recipe to three three seven 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 and I will send you you just sign up for the list uh it's very easy there is no charge you just sign up for the recipes. And I will email you the Krispy Kreme donut bread pudding recipe along with the dark chocolate bourbon sauce. And it's incredible. And I'm not a dark chocolate eater. I like milk chocolate. Milk chocolate is the actual good chocolate. For some reason, there are some people who like dark chocolate. We call those people odd. Um, No offense to my mother-in-law who loves dark chocolate. (laughs) But I don't like dark chocolate. But my gosh. My gosh. Dark chocolate and cream and a little splash of bourbon on top of Krispy Kreme bread pudding. And the, the the chocolate balances out the sweet of the bread pudding. It just makes the perfect combination. I will send all that out to you. Text RECIPE to 33777. Now, in the first hour, as I was saying before I got distracted by food, in the first hour, I was talking about the Democrats and, and it's bad for the Democrats y'all. It's just bad. Oh, what's this email coming through the polling on DeSantis? Oh man. It's just, it's, it's bad, bad. This is not a good poll because this poll was about a two week long poll, which is terrible, but DeSantis is, uh, 24 points ahead of Nikki Fried and 16 points ahead of Charlie Crist, but it's a bad poll. Nonetheless, The Democrats are going to have hell to pay in November. There is a growing wave for the GOP. And if the GOP takes over, Joe Biden's going to have a real problem on his hand. Because even CNN cannot now avoid the topic. Well, Brianna, this is a very real, very substantial investigation of potentially serious federal crimes. We are seeing federal prosecutors in Delaware do exactly what you would expect to see federal prosecutors do in this situation. They're talking to witnesses. They're bringing people into the grand jury. They're issuing subpoenas. And I would expect, as Evan reported, they're now gaining steam and they need to make a decision, I think, in the at least intermediate future. This case has been going on For four years, and there is a realistic chance this could result in federal charges, of course. Then we'd be in unprecedented political territory, not legal territory, but a situation of having potentially the Justice Department prosecuting and trying to imprison the son of the president. Yes, here's John Harwood, a progressive commentator on CNN. It seems pretty clear that Hunter Biden was uh, trading on his father's name to make a lot of money. Now, Arwood goes on to say, but there's no evidence at all, none whatsoever, about um, about Joe Biden making money off of it. They, they want you to know this this is not about Joe. It's just about it's just about it's all it is, is Hunter. That's it. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. Nothing to do with Joe. But they can't avoid talking about it now. You know and I know. When, not if. When the Republicans take back Congress, they're going to have hearing after hearing after hearing. If they take back the Senate and the House, they'll have joint hearings. If they just take back the House, they'll have House hearings on Hunter Biden, and it will drag down the presidency. And I'm okay with that because someone finally needs to look into this after all these dismissals. And here's why the Republicans are probably going to take back the House. The polling is bad for the Democrats. So there's been a crossover. Polling crossovers are rare. And when you have polling crossovers and they are sustained in politics, they tend to be more rare. What I mean by a polling crossover is an X in the polling. So Joe Biden's approval and disapproval have crossed over back in August in Afghanistan, and they're not coming back. They're not crossing over again. It takes time. So his disapproval is now higher than his approval. It takes some time to do that when when you've got a big gap. And there was a really big gap between who do you like, Republicans or Democrats. They liked the Democrats. They loved the Democrats. They wanted the Democrats And the NBC News polling, which has been one of the more favorable to the Democrats on the generic ballot, it has crossed over now. Majority of registered voters, not likely voters, but registered voters, want Republicans in charge of Congress. The last time that happened in the NBC News poll was in uh, 2014 when the Republicans took back the Senate and it didn't cross over until uh, October, the end of October of the election year of 2014. Now it has happened again. And it's happened now in March. This is Josh Krashauer from National Journal. The story of Democratic success since the Trump era has been one of political shifts in the suburbs Well over half of President Biden's voters in 2020 hailed from the suburbs. He won suburban voters by 11 points. Of the 41 House seats Democrats picked up in the 2018 midterms, 38 were located in suburbia. The suburbs remained the preeminent battleground in the country. As Republicans gained in 2022, it, it, suburbs remain a prominent battleground in the country as Republicans in 2022 gained back much of the ground they lost with Democrats in 2020 in the House. This year's House races, a disproportionate number of battleground races are taking place in either rural districts or districts with a significant rural segment. Of the 20 races that are ranked as toss up by the Cook Political Report, over half have a sizable rural constituency. It's a reminder that Democrats can't take rural America for granted, at least if they hope to hold a House majority for the long term. Several of the rural House battlegrounds are newly drawn districts like North Carolina's 13th. which which combines the burgeoning Democratic Trending Research Triangle exurbs with the deep red rural outposts of Harnett and Johnston Counties, North Carolina. One is a brand new seat, Colorado's 8th District, which includes part of Weld County where cattle sun themselves on grazing land and feedlots, according to the Denver Post. Others have always been competitive, like Maine's expansive 2nd District, home to one of the most independent-minded Democrats in the House. The best chance for Democrats to hold down their losses this year is to win many of those seesawing suburban seats. But even if they make a miraculous suburban turnaround, they still could lose their majority by failing to hold on to the smaller number of rural seats held by their party. As national Democrats cater to urban progressive interests, they've all but abandoned the rural constituencies that once made up a major part of their coalition. Uh Uh-huh. Y'all, it's a real problem. I want to give you a number 72. 72. And another number 33. 72 and 33. The National Republican Congressional Committee is targeting 72. Democratic seats in the House of Representatives. They have a five-seat deficit. All they need are six seats to have a majority. They're targeting 72 seats. Of the 72 seats that the Republicans are targeting, Joe Biden won with more than 10% of the vote in 33 Why would they target seats where Biden won more than 10% of the vote? Because Joe Biden is so underwater. And a lot of that was just because of Trump. See, the Democrats have fallen into a trap. And I think they're only just now realizing their trap. They tried to draw congressional districts to prop themselves up in places like Illinois and New York. Did did y'all hear that in um, Illinois, like the Democrats did not run anyone in any rural seat. Christy Nome in, what is it, South South Dakota? No Democrat is challenging her. In fact, a lot of Democrats haven't stood up to run in a lot of Republican states, but in Illinois, a Democratic state, they're so concentrated in the Chicago area, they've given up on rural Illinois. And there's a lot of rural Illinois. My mother-in-law is from El Dorado, Illinois. It's farm country in southern Illinois, right across the Ohio River from Kentucky. Very, very rural. No Democrats are running out there. The Democrats are giving up on that. Why are the Republicans going after Biden plus 10 seats? And why why are the Democrats all screwed up on redistricting with this? Because the Democrats in trying to draw seats, they used the data with Trump on the ballot. And Donald Trump was a uniquely polarizing figure in American politics. And a lot of people who did not like Donald Trump, they still voted Republican otherwise. So you've got a lot of areas of the country where Democrats have drawn, drawn seats that look to be Democrat, but they're Democrat based on Trump being on the ballot, and he's not on the ballot. That's why the Democrats are, are amping up the January 6th stuff and the stolen election stuff themselves and, and the possibility of indictments because they're trying to tie the Republicans to Donald Trump for 2022 because they really do think that the only way to win is to tie Donald Trump to him, except there are parts of the country in rural America where a lot of voters now regret having voted for Biden. So it makes a lot of sense. Go for the Biden plus 10 seats, particularly if they're Biden plus 10, but the Republicans came really close in the congressional race. If the Republicans came close or won at the congressional level, but Joe Biden got 10 points more, target them. Trump's not on the ballot. The Democrats have so embraced the idea that Donald Trump ruins everything for the Republicans, which isn't really true. But they've so invested in that idea, they're headed into an election season where Donald Trump is not on the ballot. Donald Trump is not on the ballot. They can't tie these Republicans to Trump. The polling shows that even voters think that Trump is a unique candidate and Republicans should not be connected to him except in very rare cases. And yet the Democrats are trying to do it. That's the best thing they have right now to try to win. And that's not going to help them. You've got 72 seats targeted by the Republicans. And the Democrats keep flailing about making matters worse for themselves. The Democrats keep really flailing about on these social progressive issues that do not resonate. Back to Josh Crashauer, real quick. While many pundits may assume that a focus on rural America is synonymous with catering to the interests of white working class voters, the reality is that the rural house battlegrounds are remarkably diverse. Four of the toss-up seats have predominantly Hispanic populations, serving as a reminder that working-class Hispanics have been drifting away from the Democratic Party. A couple of potentially competitive seats rated as likely Democrat, Georgia's second, North Carolina's first, they were drawn to elect black members of Congress. If Republicans pull off an upset there, it will be a result of the party being able to make inroads with black voters in the rural southern black belt. Republicans boast an impressive array of recruits in these areas. Against Representative Jared Golden of Maine, they've landed former Representative Bruce Poliquin, who seeks a rematch of their close contest in 2018. They're on track to renominate Army Reserve Officer Esther Joy King for the seat of retiring Sherry Bustos in Illinois. She came within four points in 2020. In the new Colorado seat, they got a couple of well-regarded candidates, including a mayor representing a Democratic-leaning seat who got her political start on a school board. Republican recruitment in the Senate hasn't been great, but in the House, it's been remarkably good, and they're on track to take back the majority there. And the Democrats are really looking at doom, and when they get to doom, you're going to hear a lot more about Hunter Biden because Republicans are going to start holding congressional hearings in ways the media has avoided covering. They'll start asking the tough questions about those emails suggesting Hunter was giving Joe kickbacks. Okay, I, I want to state something that should be obvious that may not be obvious for people. I like a high thread count sheet, but if the threads are crap, the sheet's going to be crap no matter how many uh, threads you need. It just it, It's it's amazing how people want to highlight that. And the reason I highlight this is because Bowling Branch makes high-quality sheets, and they're not a bajillion, bajillion thread count either, but their threads are super high quality. They use 100% organic cotton threads. They give super softness. You get a better night's sleep. They're not just buttery, soft, and breathable, impossibly soft to start. They get softer with every wash. I can attest to this. Every time you wash them, they just seem to get a little softer. And they hold up so well over the long term. You know, I'm on gosh, maybe my second set of Bolin branch sheets in in a decade or so. They just hold up so well. They're a quality product. And They give you such a good night's sleep. Oh, my gosh. They're so fantastic. I really do love these sheets, and I love Bowling Branch. You can, too. They are fantastic. They're so luxurious. Three U.S. presidents sleep under Bolin Branch sheets. So you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Get a good night's sleep under Bolin Branch sheets. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Oh my gosh, this Washington school district, it's school districts, I got to tell you, for the Democratic Party right now, it, teachers unions are probably their own worst enemy or their own enemy. A Washington state school district will encourage teachers to consider students' race when dishing out punishments. The Clover Park School District in Washington State passed the new policy on March 14th. It's called the Culturally Responsive Discipline. It factors in students' race. So a student who is non-white, will be uh, less disciplined than a white student. It says it's following a state law that compels districts to align with cultural competency, diversity, equity, and inclusion standards. Y'all, I'm telling you, again, they are um, they're, they're losing their faculty and reason, and they are ruining kids. They're going for indoctrination. They're going for indoctrination, not education, and it's going to hurt them. At the same time, there's a story out that the CDC and teachers unions were more closely aligned in doing uh, school reopening guidance. This is from Fox News. Republican lawmakers who sit on the House Select Subcommittee on the coronavirus crisis are releasing a report Wednesday revealing a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention official's testimony claiming the agency coordinated with teachers unions at an extraordinary level in crafting a school reopening guidance, despite the agency's earlier claims that such coordination were routine and nonpolitical. In the interim report, exclusively reviewed by Fox News Digital, Republicans wrote that emails between the American Federation of Teachers, the White House, and the CDC showed that the AFT's cozy relationship with the Biden administration's political leadership at the CDC positioned the union to impose line-by-line edits to the reopening guidance. Despite the CDC's past practice to keep draft guidance confidential, the teachers' unions playing a role. Unbelievable. Hello there. Uh, you know, I don't watch a ton of TV, uh, I, and I feel like I should watch more. Honestly, um, I'm one of those people where my brain never really stops. I mean, it just always spins, and I'm always usually thinking about work. I mean, I, I, I love my job. I love doing this. I want to grow. I want more stations, uh, And and my brain just never, never, ever stops. And there's a danger there, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like vegging out in front of the TV, which is something I used to do. I should get back to it. And I've tried to watch a few more shows. And I've seen some terrible ones that HBO has some show out, The Gilded Age. It's by the guy who did Downton Abbey. It's just the acting was terrible. The writing was terrible. I made it through the end of the first season. And I, I left hoping that they all, like, jump off a building in the in the Great Depression or something. It just it, it wasn't a good show. Um, but... So Amazon has taken uh, the Lee Child's Jack Reacher series and turned it into a TV show. Now, you may be familiar with Tom Cruise. Not Well, I mean, you're all familiar with Tom Cruise, but I mean, Tom Cruise did two or three Jack Reacher movies. And I thought they were fine movies, honestly. I, I didn't think they were terrible movies. Uh, but the problem is that Tom Cruise is no Jack Reacher. Amazon has come out with a TV series on its streaming service, Amazon Prime, about Jack Reacher. The problem with the Tom Cruise show movies is that uh, Jack Reacher is a giant. Jack Reacher is a very, very large man. And uh, the books constantly reference how big his hands are. Uh, One of the books says they're as large as dinner plates. Another says he's got fists the size of Thanksgiving turkeys. Tom Cruise is a short man with small hands, Trump-sized hands, the Democrats would say. And so it just, it didn't, I mean, the movies were fine, but it really didn't work. Well, Amazon has come along now and done this TV series, Reacher, and I like it. Uh it's got a guy. Um his name is Alan Richson. And he is a really big dude. And he plays. Uh he's been at a couple things. I guess he I'm I'm looking now. I guess he was an Abercrombie and Fitch model at one point. He's been in a couple TV shows, Titans, and uh he was on the CW. In the Smallville series, Um, he was apparently had some role in the Hunger, one of the Hunger Games movies. Um, But um, this dude plays Jack Reacher, the way Jack Reacher is in the books, slightly on the spectrum and a very big dude. And it's just a good show. You got to, I mean, listen. This is not an intellectual show. You just got to get into the show and enjoy it. Some people will quibble with some of the terminology and some of the gun language they use and the like, but it's a good show. I've enjoyed it. But there are just, just fair warning language and also some of the violent scenes. There is one scene where uh, they, they graphically show uh, one character crucified naked with his male parts in his mouth. Uh, you're, you're dealing with bad people in this show. But i, I got to say, I I think I like it. I, I've watched a couple episodes a couple of weeks ago and then um, got into with and the kids out of town this week picked it back up and and I'm just I'm trying to go to bed in a reasonable hour and I'm binge watching this uh Jack Reacher show on Amazon Prime. I still gotta see Coda as well on Apple T V Plus, which won the Best Picture Award. Uh and you know, I, I generally like don't like Best Picture Award winners these days. It's like the Academy Awards go out of their way to find the movies that are offensive to to anyone who's normal and give them the Academy Award for Best Picture. But this one I don't know a person who hasn't seen this movie, Coda, and didn't like it. So I'm interested to watch it. But Reacher, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to finishing off this first season and on to season two whenever it comes out. Now, I'm I'm not going to spend my entire time talking about uh, TV shows for you guys to go check out. But just a warning to get on that one. Listen, if you're squeamish about violence or language, you're not going to like this show. It is not something to watch in front of your kids. Uh, but it, it is a, a good show. Uh, meanwhile, what I want to talk about is the NFL. They're keeping their Rudy rule. Uh, now, uh, women are going to be included in all coaching and front office interview requirements. Teams are not going to be forced. I'm reading from the, the Athletic. Teams will not be forced to interview a woman for vacancies. But if they do, she'll count toward fulfilling the Rooney Rule requirement. Second, only interviews conducted in person will count toward the Rooney Rule requirement. Both changes were approved by NFL ownership at their meeting in Palm Beach. The question is if including women under the Rooney Rule for coaching vacancies could result in fewer racial minority interviews for the roles. For example, it's now possible that a team could fulfill the Rooney rule requirement for a head coaching vacancy interview uh, by interviewing two white women and no black men. Steelers owner Art Rooney, the chairman of the NFL's diversity committee, said the committee did consider the potential consequence, but said at this point, the pool of women likely interviewing for head coaching vacancies remains small. So essentially the NFL is endorsing the concept of a beard for coaches. (laughs) Oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Okay. There's apparently a phenomenon of closeted men who have a, side chick so people don't realize that they also have a side dude and that's essentially where where the nfl is now going to say hey we'll interview women for the job so we don't have to interview the black men for the job now none of this is binding by the way Uh, they're, they're not forcing uh the coaching staff to have any particular person they just have to do the interviews so that's where we are now um, let's see. Here are the diversity initiatives approved by the NFL owners. A requirement for all 32 teams to hire a minority coach, either racial minority or a woman, to serve as an offensive assistant working closely with the head coach, offensive coordinator, and other offensive assistant coaches. Rudy said this initiative is meant to deepen the pool of minority candidates in the pipeline for jobs like quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator. This will be a full-time job, not an internship. It'll be funded in part by a stipend from the league office. There's a pledge from league ownership to increase diversity among owners, particularly in bids submitted by individuals and groups looking to purchase a team. The statement from ownership read in part that, quote, the membership will regard it as a positive and meaningful factor if the group includes diverse individuals who would have a significant equity stake in and involvement with the club, including serving as the controlling owner of the club, there are currently no black owners. The Denver Broncos are up for sale. Rooney said they're minority individuals who will be part of bids to purchase that team. And they'll create an external diversity advisory committee composed of DEI experts and attorneys, as well as former Texans general manager, Rick Smith to review the NFL's diversity policies. Now, Let's let me just break all of this down for you here. I realize a lot of you don't care about uh, the NFL. Uh, I, I like the games, but this is a private group of rich people, and this is what they want to do to check boxes. It's perfectly legal for them to do this, by the way, because they, the owners are agreeing that they are going to structure their teams this way. They can do this. I don't think you're going to see any of the owners file a lawsuit. Um. At the same time, it's also a lot of it for show. Now, I, I know they think they mean well, and I know they think they're they they think they're going to help. And this also comes. Uh, what you be digging? The, the the coach from Florida who filed the lawsuit. That this is also a little bit of damage control on their part. That's just the reality of it. Uh, I don't know that there's a reason to to scream and complain about it. I just find it a little bit silly. You know, one of the things I I, I philosophically believe, and a lot of people will get mad at me for saying, but I, I really do believe time heals all wounds. I actually am one of those people who believes that over time, a lot of the divisions in the country go away. I am one of those people who actually believes that the reason we're seeing Uh, So much angst and antagonism about racial issues in this country right now is not because we're not getting better, but because a lot of people who made it their profession to care about these issues are on the verge of losing their income stream as things get better in the country. And as a result, they've got to scream and complain even more now to continue to justify their existence. I also think that as secularism becomes religious, there is a segment of rich white society in America that is developing its own sin language and sanctification process and absolution. And a lot of that plays into race and the environment and the like. We're seeing... In real time, in the 21st century, a new religion taking form, and right now it's secularists who don't really see it as religion, but it's got the language of religion, the liturgies of religion, the orthodoxy of religion, the enforcement of religion, of a state religion, no less. So a lot of what we're seeing from rich white people has more to do with them seeking absolution for themselves, for their perceived sins, or trying to cast aspersions on others and say, those are the sinners, not us. And they're trying to improve their standing among their religious sect. And part of this as well is within this secular religion that's shaping up, there is this view of diversity, equity, and inclusion or critical theory that becomes part of it. And so to worship within this religion, you have to embrace the trappings and orthodoxies of this religion. And part of the trappings and orthodoxies of this religion are to message and signal in some way that you care about diversity, equity, and inclusion in ways that other people don't, to elevate you and the stature of of your religion above the others. You see, within Christianity, uh, which is the dominant religion on planet Earth, Uh, Scripture says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. Before God, we are all equal. Within the secular religion, they reverse this, and there absolutely is Jew, and there absolutely is Greek, and there absolutely is male, and there absolutely is female, although those are interchangeable and you get to pick. uh, But we have to elevate race and ethnicity and gender and sex above all other things. Secularism is a mirror image, I think, of, of real religion. And when you got rich people who own football teams, they embrace this sort of nonsense, and they f- make, it makes them feel good. It makes them feel like they've done something. Like, for example, the environmentalist who buys the battery-powered car. They don't care that the power that's going into the car comes from a coal-burning power plant because you can't see that when they drive their electric car around. You see them in their electric car, and they look more virtuous than you with their no-carbon footprint. That's a carbon footprint that they prefer not to think about. It's all about signaling of their virtue and their righteousness. And the NFL owners are no better than that. It's mostly a group of liberal old men with a lot of money to spend who aren't going to the massage parlors down in Florida right now. uh, So they got to do something with their money and they got to do something with their time and they got to do some damage control from the current lawsuit pending against the NFL. And this is what they're doing. It makes them feel good. It makes them seem connected to their new religion. And it also pushes back against some terrible PR they've had about race relations lately and also about the women folk. They got to placate them too. The high priestesses of the religion got to be placated and bought off. And that's what they're doing. You may not like it. No reason to complain about it. You're not an NFL owner. It's probably not going to change the game that you watch on TV, really. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone provider. I got an email yesterday from a friend of mine that says, off the record, do you really recommend Patriot Mobile? I said, yes, I do. Uh, so with Patriot Mobile, you get to pick the towers essentially that you want to use. Um, so I've got an AT&T phone and with Patriot Mobile, my phone there, I use the Verizon towers. So I've got good cell service wherever I am with one phone or the other. Give some people one number, some people the other number, and it works, it really does. And I get good discounts, not because I'm an advertiser, but because I'm a gun owner, uh, and I wanna support them anyway, because I'm a conservative. You know, I actually called them and used my name and discount just to go through the process. Didn't even tell them it was me till we get to the end and I'm using my name, which got a little awkward. But I wanted to go through the process because I wanna be able to honestly recommend them to you, and I do. And you take a portion of your profit, they take a portion of their profits and give to the conservative movement. And they're explicitly Christian conservative. I know the guys. They they live their faith and their values in public, and they want you as a customer to increase their profits, and then they're going to give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement, and they'll give you free activation by using my name. What you do is go to PatriotMobile.com Eric, PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, if you would prefer to talk to someone, they've got 100% U.S.-based customer service, so you can call them at 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, tell them I sent you. You'll get free activation, and you'll get good discounts if you're a teacher, an NRA member, a first responder, a veteran. If you've got a large household and you need multiple lines for the kids, you can get a good discount there as well. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Well, Kevin McCarthy has apparently laid down the law with Madison Cawthorne, the Republican from North Carolina who may struggle for reelection. Uh, you know, so Cawthorne, Madison Cawthorne up in North Carolina, he was, he wanted to move into a different district and then they redrew the districts. And there are a lot of people who they're refusing to get out of the race now as he struggles to, to run again. And, um, Apparently Kevin McCarthy has now laid down the law with him on his comment on the uh, what is it the the Warrior was a warrior Poets site or whatever that um, he attended groups in Washington where he was offered orgies and cocaine. Uh, McCarthy, this is from uh, Melanie Zanona for CNN and uh, that um, McCarthy says, he told Madison Cawthorne during a meeting today that the freshman had lost his trust and he needs to take steps to turn his life around or else there could be consequences. He also says Cawthorne admitted his orgy cocaine allegations were exaggerated and untrue. Are they exaggerated or are they untrue? I don't know. Um, listen. I am perfectly willing to believe there are people in Washington who attend orgies with cocaine. I am totally willing to believe that, given the number of people I have encountered in Washington, D.C. Uh, but Madison Calthorne, given the way he talked about it, sounded like he was one of the people who would participate. I don't know what the hell a key bump is, but apparently that's something about snorting cocaine. He sure seemed to know what it was. Uh, given the people he surrounds himself with, I wouldn't be surprised. I had high hopes for the guy, but um, he's he's just, he's, he's adult. But here's the thing. Why is Kevin McCarthy openly saying uh, to the guy who said there are orgies and cocaine around Washington uh, that you need to, that you lost his trust and need to take steps, turn his life around, or there could be consequences. Why is Kevin McCarthy harder on Madison Cawthorn? for a remark about orgies and cocaine in Washington that probably does go on, frankly, than he was with Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene for attending a white supremacy rally. You would think he would be harder on the two middle-aged people for going to a white supremacist rally than on the 20-something talking about orgies and cocaine and how he didn't participate in either of them. So... McCarthy is upset with the guy who didn't participate in the orgies and cocaine. And he's not upset with the people who went to the white supremacy rally. Kind of tells you there's a problem at the top of Republican leadership in the House. And McCarthy's probably going to be Speaker of the House if the Republicans get back the House. And it'll be a dire mistake for the GOP because Kevin McCarthy is rudderless and principless and licks his finger and sticks it in the air to see which way the wind blows so he knows which way to part his hair and which way to take a position. I'm just not a big fan of his, and I think the GOP could do better with a principled leader instead of a weather vane leader. But why are you harder on this kid than the people who went to the white supremacy rally? It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates, you got the economy, you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you.